We all have feelings and difficult emotions from time to time. How we talk about them and what we do about them is important to our mental health. In this episode, I'm going to talk about three great children's books that help kids understand and cope with their emotions. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Storytime Clinic, where children's books and health collide. I'm your host, pediatrician Dr. Mfan Umaran. And every week, I spotlight a children's book featuring a character with a health condition. My goal is to inspire conversations that will help all of us better understand and support kids with health conditions. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to the month of October. Very important announcement here for anyone who does not know. Today is Nigeria's Independence Day. So before you listen to this episode, stop what you're doing. And I want you to go and find a piece of clothing or earrings or a scarf or something that is green and white so that you can celebrate with us. Okay, (laughs) after that assignment, you can come back and we will get started on our episode about emotions. So You will notice that the title of this episode is The Feels. And for any of you Google aficionados out there, I will just preface this by saying that it's not a real medical condition. (laughs) Okay. But you know what I'm talking about. We've all had days when there's just so much going on inside of us that we are barely present to the world outside. Our attention is not there. Our work suffers. We're maybe a little bit snippy with other people. This is what the whole of my last week felt like. I had a lot of things that I was trying to juggle. Um, pretty busy week at work. And I had a couple of deadlines that were due all at once. And I was just having a hard time getting through all of it, doing it in a quality way and having time to finish up everything that I needed to do. It was it was stressful. And I had a friend of mine who regularly listens to this podcast, and he listened to the episode that I put out last week. And he was like, I could tell, I could tell that there was things going on there. You know, a lot of your energy and your emotions were were not quite there. And I really appreciated him for recognizing that look, (laughs) adulting is hard sometimes. Adulting is hard. One of the things that happens when we get stressed in this way is that we start to romanticize our childhood. We say, oh, to be young again, you know, to be frolicking on the playgrounds with not a care in the world. (laughs) And yes, it is true from, from our vantage point, childhood looks like a walk in the park. And sometimes it literally is. But sometimes we forget that children have issues too. They have things that are big to them within the context of their own experiences. And so it's really important along the way to be able to teach children about emotions and feelings. And there's three things that go into this. The first thing is we have to teach them to identify their feelings. We have to teach them the words to use to talk about their feelings. Um, Children are not naturally born with this vocabulary. 
They're going to pick it up from people around them, how they hear things expressed, the words that maybe their parents use, their teachers use, their friends use, they see in their books, they see on TV. And so they gather this vocabulary around them. But it is important to be a bit intentional about teaching them how to label the feelings that they are having, to have words to express themselves. Sometimes when children don't fully understand or know how to express themselves, they are doing it through behaviors, through acting out, through hitting, through tantrums, things like that. And so part of this teaching is giving them a more appropriate avenue to talk about how they're feeling. So one, teach them the words. How do we do this? We can use books. There's a couple of great books out there that focus on identifying feelings and emotions. This is what it looks like when I'm happy. This is what it looks like when I'm sad. This is what it looks like when I'm worried. And picture books are excellent with this because the illustrations, the facial expressions of the characters, the things that are happening in the background are a really great way to convey to a child an emotion that they can relate to. Even if a book does not focus on naming these feelings, as you're reading along with the child, this is something that you can do for them. You can say, I bet this character felt sad when this happened, or I bet he felt really angry or disappointed when this happened. And as the children hear you using this vocabulary, it is something that they become more familiar with and they can pick up. When your child has a situation that is emotional for them, they're angry that they had to leave the playground early or they didn't get a candy bar, use these as teaching opportunities where you can help them label and define their emotions. So one, teaching them the words. The second thing there is teaching them to recognize what caused their feeling. So sometimes a kid may come back from school and just is generally upset, not feeling great, but is not quite sure what happened during the day to get them to feel that way. Being able to recognize what triggered a bad feeling is important for a child. And it's just part of the process of helping them understand emotions and also of helping other people understand what they're going through at that time. So this can look like pretty much just using questions to kind of gently probe and guide the child to help them reflect on their day and um, on the events that kind of led up to them not feeling good or whatever their emotion is that they are feeling at the time. So just getting the child familiar with looking back, reflecting on events and being able to make a connection between an event that happened and the emotion that it produced. So looking back on our strategy for teaching children about emotions, number one was teach them the words. Number two, teach them the cause, teach them to recognize what caused the feeling. And then number three, teach them to cope, teach them strategies that help them cope with their feelings more effectively. Again, we mentioned that the default for a lot of children is acting out as bad behavior or is just keeping it all 
in, but that's not always effective in the long run. And so we want to give them a few strategies to help them cope with feelings and cope with emotions in ways that are more uh, constructive over time. So with that bit of background, let's get into these three children's books that I want to talk about today. The first book I want to talk about is called Ruby Finds a Worry. Ruby Finds a Worry. These are all picture books, by the way. Ruby Finds a Worry is written by Tom Percival. And this book is part of a series called the Big Bright Feelings series. And what I love about it is that the book is big and bright. (laughs) But it's a picture book and it's geared towards a younger group. So probably like three to six years is what the publishers recommended. So Ruby is a fun-loving, happy, adventurous little girl um, who, while she's exploring one day, she finds a worry. And I love that this worry is kind of represented as a little cloud. And at first, when Ruby sees the worry, the worry is very small. It's maybe like the size of a little chick. It's small. It's cute. She doesn't think much of it. She kind of ignores it. But as the book goes on, the worry hangs around with her and it's there all the time. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And Ruby's now worried about the worry. And she's worried about whether she's ever going to feel good again. It feels terrible because no one else notices this worry. And Ruby goes around with this burden until a point where she notices another kid who has a worry as well. And she sits and talks with him. And they talk together and they share their worries. And before we know it, the worry has evaporated, has kind of disappeared. The emotion that this book focuses on clearly is worry or anxiety by another name. I think this book is really effective because it takes what is an abstract feeling and kind of puts it in a way that children can see and they can see the effect of holding on to worry for a long time. And they can also see the effect of being able to share it, being able to talk about it. So the coping strategy that this book focuses on is talking, getting children to open up and talk about their worries when they have them, which is a very healthy thing to do, talking about it. So that is book number one. Book number two is called The Good Egg, The Good Egg by Jory John. I thought this was a really interesting concept. This book is kind of about burnout. It's about that feeling of being overstretched, being a bit stressed out, just having too much on your plate. And I thought this was such an interesting concept to have for a children's book. But I think that this is definitely relatable to certain children. And I will I will mention why. So the main character in the book, The Good Egg, is a little bit of a perfectionist, is an egg that kind of feels responsible for everyone else, for making sure that everything is going well, for making sure that everyone is behaving like they should be, and that everything is done perfectly. And over time, this begins to stress the good egg. The good egg starts cracking up, literally, (laughs) and feels worn down over time. 
And eventually the good egg realizes that he needs to take a little bit of time away from these stressful situations and time for himself. And he does that and is able to come back with a more relaxed mindset. Now, when I read about this book, I immediately thought about older siblings who often have a lot of responsibility for the younger kids in the family. I thought about siblings of children who have special health care needs. Again, because those siblings typically have to shoulder a lot more responsibility. And then there's some children who just have these personality types where they feel a strong pressure to be perfect. And they usually tend to have some people-pleasing tendencies as well. They want uh, to please other people. They want other people to be happy with them. On the one hand, this can be a good thing because they can be very helpful. They can be really responsible. But this can also kind of get taken to an extreme. And so it becomes very stressful to these children when they're not able to keep everything perfect. They put a lot of responsibility on their shoulders. And so um, whenever things don't go perfectly according to plan, they worry about other people being disappointed in them. They feel a lot of shame around that and can really take that on internally. So the messaging that goes through this book is self-care. It recognizes that there are times when the pressure or the burden gets to be a bit overwhelming. And there's times when we all need to take a break and step back from situations that are overwhelming us and take time to focus on ourselves a little bit, do things that make us happy, do things, things that refresh us, things that relax, things that rejuvenate us. For a kid who is perfectionistic in this way, they might need help, a reminder from a parent or a teacher, just to let them know that it is okay to take the focus off of others and to take some time for themselves. These children sometimes also need reassurance that even when they make mistakes, even when they're not completely on top of things, that they will still have value that they are still loved, they're still cherished, and that that love is not contingent upon them being perfect because sometimes this is a real concern for them. So I liked that this book focused on kind of introducing the idea of self-care to children. Okay, and that brings me to the final book. The final book is called Trying by Kobe Yamada. And I love this book. I have to say, if you've never read any of Kobe Yamada's books, I would highly, highly recommend them. This one is called Trying. And I thought it was interesting that on Amazon, it says that this is geared towards four to seven year olds. But really, I think this is for a bit of an older audience. Just the way the text is placed on the page, you know, it's smaller text. The illustrations are a little bit more abstract. I feel like this is a book that an older kid would enjoy a bit more. And honestly, this is a book that any adult would relate to and would be inspired by, would be encouraged by. So, I mean, go out and get this one for yourself. You don't even have to have a kid. <laughs> this book deals with the feeling of frustration. 
So I'm going to read a little bit of the note that is left on the inner leaflet of this book. It says, this is a story for anyone who has ever felt like a beginner or had doubts or worried they weren't good enough. It's a story for those who have experienced the pain of trying something new and not having it turn out as they had hoped. So in many ways, it is a story for every one of us, because at some point in our lives, we will all fail. Super uplifting, right? (laughs) Where is the inspiration, you ask? But wait, wait on it. So in this book, we meet a little kid who comes across a sculptor and he is watching him work and watching him sculpt these amazing creatures. And he's enthralled. He's like, how do you do that? The sculptor calls him over and says, why don't you give it a try? And at first there's a self-doubt. There's, oh no, I could never do that. That's not for me. But then he comes back and the sculptor continues to encourage him. So then he tries it and things don't really go quite as he plans. And there's that feeling of frustration. There's that feeling of shame, of disappointment. And he gets angry and he wants to quit. And the sculpture just continues to encourage him throughout the book to kind of see that failure is a natural part of having attempted something. And even with the fear of failure, There is great value to be gained from trying something. Even after having failed, there's great value to be gained from persisting through failure. Um, The failures along the way are, are progress. They're things that we learn from. They're not bad things. And I think that's such an important message for kids because, I mean, there's so many different ways in which they are challenged with new experiences. They're in school, right? So they're constantly getting new information passed to them, new classes. They're constantly learning new skills. Um, they might be in extracurricular activities, doing music, doing sports, things like that. And so many children are held back by the fear of failing or the fear of not doing something well that they don't really get to explore different opportunities or they don't see them through. And so it's really an important message, not just for kids, but for adults as well, because we all get discouraged when we start something off and it doesn't go quite as planned. And we just want to pull back and say, you know, I tried it. It's not for me. I'm not good at this. I'm done. I am guilty for doing that. Even with things like this podcast, um, I go through periods where I feel encouraged about it. I feel happy about it. And I go through other periods where I feel like I'm putting in a lot of work and not quite sure if I'm doing things well. So this book is a wonderful, wonderful pickup that can be valuable for people at any age and at any stage. Okay, so those are my three books. I'm going to do a real quick recap for you guys. The first one was Ruby Finds a Worry by Tom Percival. This one's about worry or anxiety. And the coping mechanism is opening up, talking to other people. The second book was The Good Egg by Jory John. This one is about feeling overstretched, about burnout in a way. And the coping mechanism was self-care, taking time for yourself. And the third book was Trying by Kobe Yamada. The emotion dealt with was frustration. 
fear of failure. And the messaging was pushing ahead and trying despite failure. Those are my three books. Check them out. Of course, there's many, many, many other children's books that talk through emotions, that talk through naming emotions, recognizing the feeling behind emotions and strategies to cope with their emotions. There's books on deep breathing. There's books on affirmations. Heck, there's even books on yoga. <laughs> so many, many options out there. But I just wanted to give you guys a sample during this episode and just to have you guys recognize how important it is to teach children intentionally about emotions. And this sets them up with a strong foundation that they can continue to build on through their childhood and really throughout their lives. Okay, that is it for the day. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here today. And I hope to see you next week for our next episode. Take care. For the show notes and links to the books I cover in this episode, please head over to the podcast website at www.storytimeclinic.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share this podcast with other people who may be interested. I'd also love to hear from you if you have book suggestions or health topics you'd like to see me cover. If you want to give me some feedback and help me make this podcast more valuable for you, you can leave a review on iTunes or send me an email at thestorytimeclinic at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode.